Discover the tips and strategies that will help you achieve your retirement goals. I'm your host, James Canole, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you retire well. It all starts right here on Ready for Retirement. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Ready for Retirement. I'm your host, James Canole. And we've got a good episode today. Today's episode, we're going to talk about Medicare. And we're going to go in-depth into Medicare. Because Medicare, if you spent any time at all looking at it or exploring it, you've quickly found it can become very, very complex, very confusing. And there's just a lot of details that you have to understand. So what we're going to do today is we're going to understand how do we take a look at Medicare from the perspective of let's simplify it. Let's understand what you need to know, what are the critical decision points you need to make, and how you get an understanding of how the system as a whole works so that you can make the best decision for yourself in retirement. And make sure you stay tuned until the end, because at the end, I'm going to provide instructions on a free download that I think will be really helpful for you called the Simple 3-Step Medicare Guide. That's going to tell you when, why, and how to choose a plan that's right for you, and it will really help to simplify what can be a very complex subject. So again, instructions for that, where you can find that, will be found at the end of today's episode. Make sure you stay tuned in until then. What we're going to be relying upon a lot in today's episode is one of my friends and a fellow financial planner named Ashby Daniels. He wrote a book called Medicare Simplified, and it's a great book that just distills all the complexities of Medicare and presents it in a very clear, understandable and and succinct, which is maybe the most important way. So Ashby, thank you very much. We're actually going to use this book as the outline for today. In fact, in, in parts of the episode, I'm just going to take snippets right from the book because it's that good. And I think it does a tremendous job of helping people to understand what they need to know. So with that being said, let's start with just what is Medicare? So Medicare, it's a federal health insurance program, and it's primarily designed to help people who are 65 years or older cover the cost of health insurance. By that age, maybe you're not working, maybe you don't have employee health insurance coverage through your employer. So Medicare kicks in, and that's designed to help support the costs of health insurance. It does that because if you look at just statistics, two thirds of all bankruptcies are driven in large part by medical costs. So as we look towards the future and look towards retirement, understanding how you're going to pay for those medical expenses, it's a huge conversation. It's a very important conversation. And Medicare is going to be one of the primary planning points that you use to help address that. So before we jump into the details, I want to use an example. And I want to use an example of why it's so important to plan well for Medicare. And this example comes right from Ashby's book, Medicare Simplified. Let's assume you just recently enrolled in Medicare and you have Medicare Part A and Part B, and we'll explain what that means in a little bit. And you have that as coverage. Now, what Part A and Part B do is they cover the expenses or at least part of the expenses related to hospital visits and many other medical services. So if you're retiring and you look at that, you say, okay, hospital visits are partially covered. Other medical services are covered or at least partially covered. It seems like I'm set. Well, not fully. Part A and Part B, they each have their own deductible, and the deductible is how much you have to pay before insurance kicks in. And then after that deductible, Medicare covers a large portion of the costs. But once that limit is reached, there's what's called coinsurance. And coinsurance means that for additional expenses above and beyond the limits of what Medicare will cover, you're on the hook for part and Medicare is on the hook for part. And now Medicare will pay 80% of many expenses once the initial payment is gone through, but there's no ceiling on that. So for example, if you get cancer, if you have some other catastrophic illness that requires a lot of treatment, it doesn't take long for costs to become extremely, extremely high. Let's say that costs are $100,000, which might be low compared to what they could potentially be in many catastrophic cases. But if costs were $100,000 and you have a 20% coinsurance, 
What that means is that Medicare is going to cover $80,000 of those costs, but you're on the hook for the other $20,000. If those costs were $200,000, you're on the hook for $40,000. So as you're a retiree and you're planning for what you want to do in that next season of your life, that $20,000, $40,000, these costs can quickly add up and can quickly derail even the best planned retirement. So what we're going to be talking about today is how do you limit that risk? And really, there's going to be two options. One is called a Medicare Supplement Policy plus a Part D plan. Medicare Supplement Policy is also referred to as a Medigap plan. That's probably what you'll hear it referred to most commonly. Or you can select something called a Medicare Advantage plan. So we're going to talk through those and how those work and how you can use those to really limit your your exposure, your risk exposure in retirement to healthcare expenses. But before we get started, let's just go over some of the basics of Medicare. So we're all on the same page here. So to start with, there's two primary parts to Medicare. The first one is called Medicare Part A. This is oftentimes called hospital insurance. It will cover inpatient hospital care. And the things that Medicare Part A covers is, well, like I mentioned, it covers inpatient care in a hospital. It covers a skilled nursing facility. It covers home health care. There are limits on this. For example, with inpatient care in a hospital, you're only covered for up to 90 days during each benefit period. Plus, you have an additional 60 what are called lifetime reserve days. It will cover select prescription drugs. And really, those are only drugs that are needed during a covered stay in a hospital or in a skilled nursing facility. And it will cover hospice care. And now with hospice, you're going to be covered as long as your provider certifies that you need care. So there's not that same limit like there is with an inpatient care in hospital. So you can see that there's a lot that Medicare Part A covers, but it's not going to cover the entirety of the expense. You're going to be responsible for some portion of the cost sharing. And that's either through a deductible that you're paying, it's through co-insurance, it's through co-payments, and that's to help cover some of the costs of the expenses that you're incurring with medical care. So that's Medicare Part A. Medicare Part B is the other part of it, and it's more often referred to as the the medical insurance or the outpatient coverage because it's going to oftentimes cover many of the day-to-day needs that aren't in the hospital or aren't inpatient services. So there's two primary services that Part B is split into. Number one is services from doctors or other healthcare providers. So these are the services that are needed to diagnose or treat your condition. And then number two, there's the preventative services. So these are anything from screenings to shots to vaccines, annual wellness visits, things like that. Common examples of Medicare Part B services that I see quite frequently, things like ambulance services, chiropractic services, not not chiropractor in the sense that you need an adjustment, but when there's a manipulation of the spine and it's medically necessary to have that service, that is covered. Medical equipment. So this is things like walkers, wheelchairs, oxygen tanks, home health services, mental health services, screenings, therapy services, x-rays, lab tests. These are all the types of services that would be covered under Part B. And again, you're likely going to be responsible for some portion of the cost sharing through either deductibles, co-insurance, and co-payments for these Medicare-provided services. So that's a general overview of Medicare premiums for Part A and Part B. And, And the way that those are funded is for most people, the cost of Medicare Part A is $0. Now, technically, it's not free. You've been paying for your Medicare Part A premium your entire life. Anytime you earn a wage, part of that wage is taxable. Part of payroll taxes, it goes to cover Medicare. And so you've been paying into that your whole life. So there's there's no premium because you've paid for it over the entire life. But there's no premium for Part A. Part B does have a premium, though. And that premium starts at $144.60 per month. This is for 2020. But the more that you make the more that you pay in premiums. So when I say what you make, there's actually a two-year look-back period, and there's something called Medicare's Income-Related Monthly Adjustment Amount. You might see as IRMA, I-R-M-A-A. And the more that you make, the more you're going to pay in your Part B premium. 
if you're married filing joint tax returns, then if you make above $174,000, your premium each month for Part B goes from $144.60 up to $202.40. If you make above $218,000 but less than $272, that jumps to $289.20 per month. And now, by the way, this is per person. This isn't, there's no family plans with this. This is what each individual Medicare participant is paying. And the most that you might pay in Part B premiums, if you are married filing jointly, and if you have an income over $750,000 per year, your premium jumps up to almost $500 per month. So whereas Part A is going to be the same for everyone, most people, I should say, if you've paid enough credits into that through your working career, Part B is going to be based upon what you're earning today. Now, if you're already receiving Social Security, then your Part B premiums, they'll just be deducted automatically from your benefit payment. If you aren't yet collecting Social Security, but you're enrolled in Medicare because maybe you're delaying your Social Security payment as part of a planning strategy or whatever the reason may be, there's something called Medicare Easy Pay. And it's a free service that you can use to have your premiums deducted from your savings or your checking account each month. But once you begin Social Security, that's when your Medicare premium will be just deducted right from that Social Security payment. All right. So that's a little bit about the premiums. The next question a lot of people have is when do I need to enroll in this? So if you're already receiving Social Security benefits, you're going to automatically be enrolled for Part A and Part B as soon as you reach age 65. So for example, if you retire at age 63 and you begin collecting Social Security benefits immediately, well, you're automatically going to get enrolled in Part A or Part B. If you're not already collecting Social Security and you're approaching age 65, then you have what's called the initial enrollment period. And the initial enrollment period is a seven-month window and it includes the month of your 65th birthday, as well as three months before and three months after. And this is the time that you have to be able to enroll in Medicare Part A and Part B. Now, if you turn 65, in many cases, you might still be working. So if that's the case, then as soon as you're done working, which really means as soon as you're no longer covered by group health insurance or the month that your employment ends, whichever comes first, you have what's called a special enrollment period. And it's an eight-month period that begins the month that your group health insurance coverage ends or the month that your employment ends. Again, whichever comes first. And you then have a special enrollment period that you have eight months after that point to get enrolled into Medicare. One interesting thing to note on this is sometimes you retire and you enroll in something called COBRA, or maybe you have a retiree health plan, or maybe you have VA coverage or some other individual health coverage. Those are not considered creditable coverage by Medicare, which means that just by having those, you cannot delay Medicare without paying penalties. Because if you don't enroll in Medicare at the appropriate time, you end up paying penalties, and some of these penalties can be pretty significant. And it's not just a one-time penalty. In fact, it tends to be a lifetime penalty. So understand that even if you have COBRA or VA coverage or some other retiree health plan that's paying for your benefits, Medicare is not going to consider that when looking at the special enrollment period past age 65. If you do end up missing your initial enrollment period and your special enrollment period, which again is when you're done working and done with receiving employee-provided health insurance coverage, There's what's called a general enrollment period. And that runs from January 1st to March 31st of each year. But keep in mind, if you're doing that, it's very likely that you're going to be paying some penalties if that's the case. And these aren't always small penalties. So the Medicare late enrollment penalty for Medicare Part B. So if you are eligible for Medicare Part B and you don't apply and don't have a special enrollment period, then there's a 10% penalty for every 12-month period that you were eligible for Medicare Part B but failed to enroll. So for example, and again, this is right from Ashley's book, Medicare Simplified. If you're 70 and you did not enroll Medicare Part B, there could potentially be a 50% penalty on each of your premiums. So why 50%? Well, it's 10% per year. 
And if you're 70, that means five years have gone by since you were eligible for Part B. And five times 10%, that's a 50% penalty. So if your Part B premium is $144.60 per month, well, if you don't enroll until age 70, meaning you miss the enrollment periods, your actual premium would be closer to $217 per month, which is the $144.60, which is just a standard, plus a $72 per month penalty. And that penalty, it's not one time. That's the penalty you will now pay every single month for the rest of your life for Medicare Part B. So keep that in mind that make sure you do not miss enrollment. Make sure this is something you're on top of because that penalty can be substantial in the terms of how much it adds up to over the course of your retirement. Okay, so that's a little bit of background information on Medicare as a whole, Part A, Part B, enrollment, how some of that works. Now let's talk about how you can protect yourself against that risk that we mentioned at the beginning, the risk of having some catastrophic health event and having a coinsurance payment that is really unsustainable if you have a major medical emergency. So the way that you're going to protect yourself against that is you're either going to get a Medigap plan plus a Part D plan, so you're going to get those in conjunction, or you're going to get a Medicare Advantage plan. So let's walk through how that works. Let's start with Medigap plans. So a Medigap plan is it's a plan that's offered by a private insurance company, and it's going to cover all or most of the original Medicare out-of-pocket expenses, including that 20% coinsurance. Now, when comparing Medigap plans with the Medicare Advantage plan, a Medigap plan will typically come with higher premiums, but many times there there are few and sometimes even no out-of-pocket expenses. So in other words, the, the premium is higher, the monthly amount you pay is higher, but that doesn't necessarily mean the total cost is higher because you might be out of pocket a very small amount and maybe potentially nothing. And so when comparing, does a Medigap plan work better for you or does a Medicare Advantage plan work better for you? What you have to compare it to is the total cost, which is the cost of the premium plus the co-payment plus any deductibles plus anything else that you're paying for as well. So if you've ever explored Medigap plans, you've seen that they're categorized by letter. There's an A plan, B, C, D, F, G, K, L, M, and N. And each plan with the same letter, it offers the same benefits regardless of the state that you're in. So the Medigap plan is it's standardized in 47 states. The only exceptions are Massachusetts, Minnesota, and Wisconsin. And so what you can be sure of is if you see a plan A in California versus a plan A in Texas, for example, they're going to offer the same benefits. Now, the cost could be different and some other things could be different, but the benefits are going to be the same. Now, a quick note on this is as of 2020, so when I'm recording this, Plan C and F are no longer open to new enrollees. So if you have an existing Plan C or an existing Plan F as part of your Medigap plan, that will stay as is, but that's no longer an option moving forward for other people, beginning benefits going forward. So let's take a look at some of the positives and negatives of Medigap plans so we can compare that to positive and negatives of Medicare Advantage plans. The first one when we're looking at Medigap plans is there's not any geographical restrictions as to who you can receive care from. So anywhere that Medicare is accepted, which is pretty much almost everywhere, you can go to any doctor in that country, any doctor in that area that accepts Medicare, and Medigap is going to cover the remaining Medicare out-of-pocket expenses. So any of the coinsurance or other costs, Medigap is going to cover that. Another benefit is in most cases, you don't need a referral to see a specialist. Many Medigap plans, they offer emergency medical coverage if you're traveling outside the country. So if travel is a big part of your retirement plan, that could be a huge benefit of a Medigap plan as compared to Medicare Advantage plans. You can transfer to a Medicare Advantage plan anytime during the annual election period. So if you start with a Medigap plan at any point, as long as it's during the annual election period, you can make the switch to Medicare Advantage plan and the the reverse isn't necessarily true. There's some exceptions, but one of the benefits of the Medigap plan is there's some flexibility in being able to switch over to a Medicare Advantage plan during the enrollment period if needed, or during the annual election period, I should say, if needed. 
Another benefit, and we kind of already mentioned this, but Medigap policies, they are going to have lower out-of-pocket expenses than a Medicare Advantage plan is going to have. Now, the premium may be higher, but as a result of that, sometimes and many times, the out-of-pocket expenses are lower. Another benefit is all plans are standardized by law. So each Medigap of the same letter, so again, whether it's A, B, C, F, whatever it might be, the coverage is going to be the same. So you don't need to worry about exploring the benefits and making sure that one covers one thing when the other might not. It's going to be standardized. There's different prices. So that's why it makes sense to shop this around because it's not saying that you're going to get the same exact price with everyone, but the benefits are going to be the same. On top of that, because Medigap plans are standardized by law, you don't need to worry about what's going to change in the plan from year to year. So these plans aren't going to require an annual review like a Medicare Advantage plan will. One very important thing to note about Medigap plans is they do not provide prescription drug coverage. That's where you would need to purchase Medicare Part D plan in order to receive the benefits of prescription drug coverage. Well, one thing that's confusing about this is there's a Medigap Plan D and there's also Medicare Part D. And those are two entirely different things. The Part D that I'm referring to here is Medicare Part D. And that Medicare Part D is what's going to cover your prescription drugs. So one of the negatives of Medigap plans is it doesn't cover prescriptions. So that's why you want to have a Medicare Part D plan to supplement your Medigap policy if that's the route that you choose. Other negatives of Medigap plans is they don't cover dental care. They don't cover vision care. The premiums are generally higher than those of Medicare Advantage plans. Now, again, the other side of that is sometimes the overall costs are lower, but typically the premiums themselves that you're paying monthly can be higher. But the most important thing to note with Medigap plan is back to that Part D. Make sure that you have that Part D coverage in place because as we now look at Medicare Advantage plans, those are going to cover prescription drugs as well in many cases, whereas Medigap plans won't. So last thing on Medigap plans of who might consider this, and this is again directly from the book that Ashby wrote, Medicare Simplified. So grab a copy. It goes into much more detail on a lot of this, but this is typically who it makes sense for. And, and the truth is only you can decide what's best for you. You have a, your own unique situation, your own unique needs. So you're going to ultimately decide what's best for you. But in general, here's who it might make sense for to consider Medigap plan over Medicare Advantage to protect yourself against health insurance costs in retirement. So here's people that it might make sense for. Number one, you're willing to potentially pay a little bit more in premiums. You're willing to potentially pay a little bit more in premiums knowing that that could reduce your overall healthcare risks and your overall healthcare costs because you're paying more in premiums, there's likely less in out-of-pocket expenses. You might consider a Medigap plan if you have health concerns or if you have ongoing medical issues. If you know that you're going to be needing a lot of medical assistance and a lot of medical treatment, well, a Medigap plan may make most sense. Again, the premiums are higher, but it's going to cover so much more of the ongoing costs. If you want the ability to choose which doctor you want to see, a Medigap plan might make more sense. And especially if it's regardless of the network or the geographic region that you're in. As I mentioned, if you're traveling a lot or if you don't think that you're going to be in one place a lot, Medigap plan could make most sense because you do have the ability to choose which doctor you want to see. Also, maybe you like the fact that you don't need a referral to see a specialist. Well, that would be another reason to consider a Medigap policy over Medicare Advantage policy. So it provides some flexibility in who you can see. The out-of-pocket costs for the premium are higher, but in many cases, the overall cost can be lower. So that's what you might want to be thinking about if you're considering a Medigap plan. And now what we'll do is we'll compare that to a Medicare Advantage plan to see when that might make most sense. To start with this, let's give a quick overview of Medicare Advantage plans and how they work. And really, the easiest way to describe them is they're very similar to your typical employer-sponsored healthcare plan. I mean, they have the deductible that you're probably used to if you had health insurance coverage through your employer. 
There are services like doctor visits, lab work, surgeries, and other services that are covered by small copay. So it's kind of a pay-as-you-go type of a thing as opposed to Medigap, where it's one higher premium, but very few, if any, ongoing out-of-pocket costs. And depending on the area that you live, these plans, they might come in the form of an HMO or in the form of a PPO. Again, very similar to what your typical employer-sponsored healthcare plan might have offered in terms of options. The nice thing about Medicare Advantage plans is they often include prescription drug coverage. So verify this because you want to make sure that any specific drugs that you need or any specific prescriptions are covered by that specific plan. But one of the nice things about Medicare Advantage plans is they're also going to include that prescription drug coverage. So unlike Medigap, where you also had to get Medicare Part D to supplement it, the Medicare Advantage plan is kind of an all-in-one type plan. It's kind of like Medicare Part A, Part B, plus Part D, those all combine into Part C, which would be the Medicare Advantage plan. So what are the positives of the Medicare Advantage plan? Well, one, like I just mentioned, they have the familiar feeling of an employer-sponsored health plan. So if you've worked your whole corporate career, you've had coverage, you're used to the way things work with that coverage, that health insurance coverage, it's going to feel pretty similar to what a Medicare Advantage plan is going to be like. You're going to have your premium, but then there's also the co-pays, there's also the deductibles, there's also the other little costs that go along with that as you need it. The other positives is they include prescription drug coverage. So if you want something that's just an all-in-one solution, you know that you only have to worry about one thing, which is your Medicare Advantage plan, and that's really going to cover you for prescription drugs as well as your other coverage needs. Well, that's where a Medicare Advantage plan might be superior as well. Again, verify that the plan you're considering covers the current prescription drugs you're taking, but if it does, then that can be a nice all-in-one solution for you. Another thing is, is they'll typically cover dental and vision care. So this coverage is not for everything. It's not comprehensive, but it's kind of for those routine annual visits only. But if that's something that's important to you, this type of a plan typically covers it. And Medicare Advantage plans, they also offer wellness programs sometimes, whether this is gym memberships or different things like that. It offers some of that as part of it. And then finally, some Medicare Advantage plans, they have a $0 premium option. And now that $0 premium option sounds kind of fishy. How can they offer this for $0? Well, a lot of this is subsidized by the government, and I'm not necessarily sure that those $0 premium options are going to provide the best care, but if financially you need something to protect yourself, this might be a great place to look. If you don't have the funds or the resources to pay for a premium on the Medigap plan or for certain types of Medicare Advantage plans, they might have a $0 premium option that will give you some level of care to protect you against costs. Those are the positives of a Medicare Advantage plan. Some of the negatives of a Medicare Advantage plan is because there's a prescription drug coverage as part of your plan, what's called the formulary could change from year to year, meaning that the prescriptions that were covered one year may not be covered the next year. So this is something that you do need to stay on top of. And each year you need to review any potential changes to make sure that your prescriptions are still covered. Medicare Advantage plans, they also change year by year. So they can change the approved provider networks. They can change what drugs are covered. They can change the number of covered doctors, the premiums, the out-of-pocket costs. So this is something that changes quite a bit. I shouldn't say quite a bit, but it has the potential to change, which means you need to be on top of it when it comes to analyzing these changes on a year-to-year basis. Another disadvantage is there's increased costs for going out of network. Because typically these benefits are meant to be provided in network, this can be a geographical as well as a best doctor limitation. You don't necessarily have the flexibility to get coverage where you want or with who you want without paying extra costs for doing so. And as I mentioned before, one of the main disadvantages is you cannot transfer to a Medigap plan at will once you're outside of what's called the guaranteed access period. So you could still potentially qualify for a Medigap plan if at some point in retirement you want to go from a Medicare Advantage plan to a Medigap plan, but there's nothing that's guaranteed and you could potentially be denied 
which is something that can't happen if you enroll in a Medigap plan during the initial enrollment part. So who might consider a Medicare Advantage plan? Well, number one, if you want an all-in-one solution, so a plan that's going to offer drug coverage as well as everything else, you might be a good candidate for Medicare Advantage plan. If you feel really comfortable with your health plan at work and you want to keep a similar arrangement, something that you're used to, that also might be an advantage of a Medicare Advantage plan. Or if you like having a primary care physician and that that primary care physician helps to guide the coverage you receive, that's more typically going to be seen in Medicare Advantage plan. And then finally, if you're in really good health and if you don't really think that you're going to see the doctor a whole lot, well, that could be a great time to consider Medicare Advantage plan. The reason for that is just going to be that the monthly premiums are going to be lower. So you're going to pay a lower amount each month for a Medicare Advantage plan typically than you would for a Medigap plan. And if you're not going to see the doctor because you're very healthy or you don't have many needs, well, then you're not paying those deductibles. You're not paying those co-pays. So you're not getting nickel and dimed, which allows you to have your lower monthly premiums remain low. And so you end up saving some money over a Medigap plan. Now, the downside to this is we don't know what health is going to look like in the future. And with a Medicare Advantage plan down the road, even if you're healthy today, down the road, that's maybe not the case. And if you do have higher expenses, then a Medicare Advantage plan could potentially get more expensive, but at least while you're healthy, it could definitely be something that saves you some money. So that's a general overview of when do you maybe consider a Medigap plan versus when do you consider a Medicare Advantage plan. In general, there are some things that that not always, but typically are not covered by Medicare. Those are going to be things like acupuncture, alternative medicine, some care potentially that's provided outside the United States. Again, Medigap may cover that, but Medicare Advantage probably won't concierge care, cosmetic care, unless it's needed to improve the function of a a malformed part of the body, but not your general cosmetic care that's purely cosmetic in nature. Long-term care, nursing home care, vision care, some Medicare Advantage plans may cover this, but there are some things, again, this is a complex subject and as comprehensive as some of these plans can be. From having Medicare Part A, from having Medicare Part B, from having a Medigap policy or Medicare Advantage policy, a Medicare Part D policy, Very comprehensive, but there are still some things that are not going to be covered. So that's a high-level overview of Medicare and how it works and some of the things that you need to think about. Two big takeaways from this. Number one, if you want to know more about Medicare, buy Ashby's book. It's an amazing book, Medicare Simplified by Ashby Daniels. I'll provide a link in the show notes to his book and where you can purchase it. And number two, if you're looking at this and you're saying, James, this kind of makes sense, but I still want it simplified, I'm going to provide a very simple but very clear flowchart in the show notes. So if you just want this summarized and you want to know, okay, James, this is great, but what are some of those decisions I need to make? How do I know if I need coverage and what kind of coverage? Go to the website readyforretirement.co and in the show notes for today's episode, I'm going to provide a completely free flowchart that allows you to see when you might need coverage and what that should probably look like for you. So again, that's readyforretirement.co. Go to the podcast page and on this podcast show notes page, you'll find a link to that free download where you can learn a little bit more. So that's all I have for today and I'll see you all next time. Thank you for listening to episode number 26 of the Ready for Retirement podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe and let me know by leaving a five-star review. And you can find an outline of the show and the notes listed from today's episode at the Ready for Retirement website at readyforretirement.co. That's readyforretirement.co. Again, don't forget to access the free resources provided in today's show notes. That can be found at readyforretirement.co in today's episode webpage. And if you have a question that you'd like for me to answer, then head over to the Ready for Retirement website. And there'll be a section on the bottom of the page there where you can submit your question that I'll answer in a future episode. Thanks for listening. I'll see you next time. Hey everyone, it's me again for the disclaimer. Please be smart about this. Before doing anything, please be sure to consult with your tax planner or financial planner. 
Nothing in this podcast should be construed as investment, tax, legal, or other financial advice. It is for informational purposes only.